Welcome back for another episode of Clean Tech Talk, where we at Clean Technica interview clean tech leaders from around the world. With topics ranging from electric cars to climate change communication, you can listen to our full podcast series by visiting our website at cleantechnica.com. All right, everyone, welcome to another episode of Clean Tech Talk. I'm your host, Joe Boris, and I am here today with Amber Dottavio of Excella. Amber, how are you today? I'm great. Thanks for having me. You're just going to lie right there. We've just spent the last 10 minutes talking about how we all feel horrible and <laughs> and we're just going to, that's okay. We'll just lie to the reader, the listeners. It'll be fine. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so it's good stuff. But listen, so I, I, I want to talk to you a little bit about Excella, right? So Excella, the way that I understood it, it, it it's kind of interesting, right? Because it's a platform that allows municipalities, contractors, all these different kind of entities to much more easily share information, communicate with one another, and ultimately get things done. Can you give us a little bit of, you know, a little bit of information about your role there and about, you know, how the company really works? Sure. Yeah. So I am the VP of product management and my team's responsible for the platform and the solutions. You are correct. The platform is uh, built specifically for government and it is built in such a way that helps government uh, collaborate across departments and provide really that like one-stop shop or some people call it the digital front door to the community. So or for the community to the government so that they can receive all their services. So, you know, business owner, they need certain licenses and permits to do business. Contractors need to get permits to do work. Um, residents need services, like maybe there is potholes they need to report, or they need to turn their water on, or they need a, their trash picked up, things like that. And so our platform really offers the all of the different services that a community would need and handles all of those interactions, just making it really easy to get those services and streamline the processes. Now, that's really interesting, right? Because typically when you talk to someone at a company or a startup or, or even a legacy brand that's been around for a hundred plus years, right? They talk in terms of B2B, B2C, business to government, things like that. But you guys are in kind of a really unique position in that you serve everybody in a community, right? So from a consumer point of view, you're giving me that front door, that consumer sort of access, that lay person. And then I'm going to go into the platform and say, I need X, Y, and Z. Or in some cases, I mean, I know what I need. I may say I'm starting a business and then it'll say, it'll tell me you need X, Y, and Z. I put my information in and then it gets routed to everywhere else and, and it gets solved. Is that kind of what I'm understanding? Yeah, that's exactly. So, you know, Government processes are really complicated and they're there for a reason, right? They're, yes. they're there for public safety. They're there to make sure that the community is working as, as it's intended. And, but sometimes those processes really get in the way and for people from people getting those services or from businesses opening their businesses or, you know, all sorts of things. And so, yeah, the, it's built in such a way that it serves everybody in the community and it helps those who understand the process get that done really quickly because they do it every day. And it's also built to help the, the person who has never done this before and walk them through the entire process. So, you know, some people like to compare it to like an Amazon, you know, when you purchase a product on Amazon, 
it goes through a whole series of processes, <laughs> you know, and a whole series of hands and, and people before from the time you purchase it to the time that it is arrived at your door. But from a consumer standpoint, it's a really easy process. It's a couple of clicks and right. and Click then you to buy watch now the status Done. and you and then it just arrives. Right. And so what we're trying to do is is change the way people see government processes and we're trying to help government rethink how they provide services so that it can be more like those consumer experiences that people are are receiving with with everything else they're doing except when they're interacting with government you know what's interesting though is like you say it very simply and very plainly in a way that's easy to understand so i i get the feeling that it's a very polished sort of thing and i know that we've We've had you on the show before and we've talked about a lot of similar things. So some of this is repetitive, but I think it bears mentioning that like what you are describing is actually quite complicated because even if you happen to figure out all of the ins and outs of like one particular government system in like some small town suburb of L.A., there's still like 72 other suburbs of L.A. that have their own system, that have their own software and the way it works today, if you want to put a solar panel or solar array on your roof or put in a new, you know, geothermal, uh, you know, heating system in your home, you have to now figure out how all of those permits are processed, how they go from location to location. And a builder or a contractor or a vendor in one market may not know how to navigate your market, you know, and, and, and what you're providing, what you're, what you're trying to provide is a platform that eliminates all that, or even better, I guess, to, to kind of take your description here, it solves for all those variables in the background. So all you really need to do on the front end is, is put that in. Now, when we last talked to you about a little over a year ago, I think it was like early 2021, and you were on with Zachary, we were talking about how important it was for solar. We were talking about that kind of thing. But we've had a lot of movement since then, uh, not only in the solar market, but in the energy market and, and also in the idea of, you know, not only the Tesla Powerwall being a new thing, but now there's GM Energy. Now there are Sunrun batteries and things like that. And all of these are being fueled kind of by rebates and incentives that came from the passing of the Inflation Reduction Act. How important has that passing been to kind of like the overall market? And are you seeing now that that seems to be accelerating and growing that there is pe more people are starting to see this as a problem and looking to you for the solution? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I mean, we have seen a growing demand for these things for the last several years, but until, you know, the government starts providing direction, providing guidance, and most importantly, providing funding, to support these things, they're they're a little bit slower to adopt. And so this is a really important thing that just happened because it really provides our government the resources to support the demand. And it also makes it much easier for the everyday, you know, person to be able to obtain these things. And so it reduces the cost for the consumer. And then it also provides the funding to help government be able to support the demand. So it's really important. And in fact, when I was on the podcast a year ago, it was, we saw this coming, right? And so we partnered with, you know, NREL and, and other third parties to be able to prepare local jurisdictions specifically to be able to handle this and to be able to handle that volume. So it's, it's extremely important. And like I said, a lot of times legislation passes, there's a push from 
our government to do certain things. And there's really, it's what we call, it's an unfunded mandate. That makes yeah, it much There's more a lot easy. of those. Yeah, there's a lot of those. And, and government has to respond, but it's much more difficult for them to do so. And so the fact that there's actually funds available is, is really, really important. Now, these are funds for the consumer or they're funds for the municipality? How does that work? So there's both. So for the consumer, it is there are credits, there's tax credits uh, for installing things like solar and others. And for the government agencies, there is a number of grants available. So for example, California, they just started a program called CalApp. And it's really just like to make the permitting process much faster. And they have grants available for local jurisdictions anywhere from like $40,000 to $100,000 that they can apply for to help support this. So if we say this, we're talking about like green energy initiatives, like solar. Green energy initiatives. Yeah. uh, Like streamlining the processes to get those things in place. So last year I, I was on, when I was on the podcast, we talked about the solar app. That is an app that was developed by the National Renewable Energy Lab, and it is free, actually, to local jurisdictions. And then the grants can pay for subscription costs to systems like platforms like Excella to help further streamline those processes in addition to some of the examples that you had provided earlier. And so, and they're making it just much easier for them to to get those things up and running. You know, I, I, I want to stay on path here. I know we had an outline to talk this through, but like, Mentally, I keep coming back to a comment that you said earlier, and I really keyed in on it for some reason. You know, when you said, you know, let's say you want to, you're a consumer and you want to have someone fill a pothole. Mm-hmm. Like there, there's, you know, my friend Seth Weintraub is over at nine to five Mac. He has a line where he says adulting is hard. And I, I think about that often. And it's like, yeah, how do I get, you know, the, the, there's always those signs they dig, you know, uh, was it call before you dig? Cause there's like some high power line in your, in your yard or, you know, with the sewer maintenance, like, how do I, if, if there's a problem with the sewers, who do I call? If there's a problem with the roads, who do I call? I have no idea. And like, thank God that my wife kind of has a sense of that and she knows who to call. Right. But there is this sense of how do you even find out what you need? How does your platform address that and help that person to, I guess, to, to be a better adult, right? Yeah. So it's, it's intent. It, well, our platform provides a, a front-facing website for the government agency that takes you from that very first touch point all the way through the entire process. So the whole transaction itself. So, for example, and and it's tied to all the search engines, right? So the the most I would say that the consumer, the resident, let's say for a pothole, they may not know who to contact or what to do. Like there's this big pothole. I just blew a tire. What do I do? And um, the first thing they typically do is they go to a, go to a search engine to Google. Right. And they right. type in uh, how to report a pothole in my city. And, and the, the whole process here is that our website picks is dropped in there as, you know, it actually tells you report a pothole in your city by clicking here, you click there and then it tells you the process like, okay, submit a picture, tell us the location and then what to expect after, you know, this, you'll usually get a response within a day or, you know, five days potholes should be fixed within this time frame. So it's really transparent about what to expect. So once I've reported it all the way through the whole process and it guides them through it 
It doesn't require that they have to go out and seek all of the details as to what is going to happen. It tells them right there up front. If you go straight to the city's website, it has a, you know, what do you want to do today? You type right into the search. It's got a predictive mm -hmm. search. And again, it just guides them through the process. So, so the Excella platform, does that supersede the, the, the website, the municipal website, or that becomes the municipal website? We have an option for either a replacement for the entire website, which is if you're talking about providing your community with the best experience possible, have everything on the one site on one platform, right? So that the experience is consistent. Or if you've are, if a city or jurisdiction already has a website in place, our product can just be plugged in to that process. So if they have a website and they want to guide them to ours, then that's an option as well. Do you find that a lot of these municipal organizations, whether it's like, you know, the, the traffic or the parks department versus the school district, or so, do you find that they're kind of protective of their little fiefdoms and they don't want to join a larger network? Or do you think that it's, it's more collaborative than that? Historically, I would say absolutely yes. Government departments are very siloed and they, when they, even when purchasing equipment, hiring resources, selecting technology, they're very focused on what they need and not necessarily thinking about what, you know, the cross dependencies across the different agencies or departments, or even the experience of their users, of their community that they're serving. They're buying you know, things that help them get their jobs done. And in some cases, that's the right thing to do. But when you're, when you're wanting to provide a better experience for your customer, you need to be thinking about it more from their perspective, more of like a user-centered design or a life event, you know, outlook at it, look at it more holistically. So to go back to your question, historically, yes, now we're seeing government evolve. There's a significant shift and focus on that customer experience mm -hmm. where historically it was generational right do you think that's a generational shift like i you know I, I think of i think of my parents and like my stepdad and where he just said well you just got to go into the you know oh you lost your social security card you got to go into the office and you got to stand in line you got to fill out the forms this and that and then you know recently we had to replace a social security card on our side and my wife was online on the website looking for it on her phone trying to get the information do you think that because there's that shift of like what's normal and there's this sense of like, I should just be able to do it online, that that's really what's driving this? Or do you think it's something else? I think it's a combination. Definitely there is customer expectations, right? That are driving these changes. That's a really uh, good demand. way to put it. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. I didn't um, cut you off. I was just like, no, yes, you're... that's right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There's the comp, you know, there's definitely even like competition, I think involved here, you've got one, like one city that's doing it really well. They're neighboring cities. They are, you know, wanting to do just as well or do better. Right. So there's a little bit of that competition. And I think there's just a lot more awareness of, you know, what the services we're providing, are they inclusive? Are they accessible? You know, and so, and there's also legislation that's passing to support those things as well. So I think it's a combination of all of those. I, I really like that. I like the idea of having a single, like, like you said, a one-stop shop, right? Because how often do you fill out all of your information at the DMV to get an ID or whatever? And then you have to go to another office, fill out all the same information, bring all the same forms with you, submit all the same things. 
And you sometimes have to do this two or three times, depending on what you're trying to accomplish, where if everything was kind of stored in one central location and was able to be divvied up into those offices, you know, that in and of itself is, is pro environment, right? Because now you're not driving from office to office. You're not making dozens of copies of everything and holding them in files. And then those have to be climate controlled and everything else. You know, so I, I see all of those things being very exciting. I, I have to ask though, you know, there is always this question of data, especially in 2022, there's a question of, you know, consumer data and citizen data and things like that. You know, I don't think a lot of people have a problem with like their school board having data, things like that, that they need to have, but is there a security question? Have, is that come up? And if so, how do you, how do you answer that? Well, yeah, I mean, <laughs> security is, is I would say top of mind for, for everybody. And so there's definitely a security aspect and keeping everybody's data private in with the, a lot of the jurisdictions that we work with. A lot of the data is public, but there are portions of it that are private. And, and so it's extremely important that they have a system in place that protects that data and also be very transparent with your community about how you do handle that data, right? So that they can feel confident that when they provide it, right, that you're going to keep it safe. A lot of, you know, a lot of with the risks of, you know, cyber attacks and all sorts of things out there. I mean, it's top of mind for everybody. So yeah, uh, it doesn't feel like when I walk into, you know, the DMV or like here in Oak Park, we have to like register the pets, like they have like a little pet registry and all this whole thing. It doesn't, feel that way. Like it feels like for most of these small, especially if you're like in a village or some unincorporated area, it seems like their approach to data security is like, well, I put it in this file cabinet and I put it in the key and Florence has the key and she comes in on Thursdays. You know what I mean? Like, so I, I like, to me, the answer that I would hope for is that like, this is a modern approach to cybersecurity and information security, where a lot of legacy systems that some of these you know, some of these government officers are using, they may not be from the eighties, but I still see some single color wise terminals here and there that, that make me kind of question it. Right. So I think that that would, you know, the fact that you're even saying things like, yeah, it's top of mind and we take it very seriously. Like even that I think is an upgrade. It, I think, I think it's important to know that government really does have quite a bit of technical debt that they're still working through. And so, although it, it is, you may not, I'm sure many people feel the same way that you do, that it doesn't feel that way. I would say that they probably have some sort of plan in place to modernize. It's just, a, it's a journey. It takes journey, time yeah. and funding and things like that. So, and everybody's on a different, you know, I guess part of that journey. Right. They're like, I'm on this school. Yeah, exactly. Right. So every, and plus they all have their own legacy systems and everything else. You know, you talk about that technical debt and it's obviously something that you guys are very familiar with because you have to, resolve a lot of that to migrate people onto your platform. You know, are you finding that that situation, that scenario is going faster and faster as you grow? Cause you've just kind of migrated, you know, like, Oh, I've found this system. Oh, we've done this three times. We know what to do. We know where the headaches are and the little catch pins are going to be. And, you know, do you find that you're able to resolve a lot of that technical debt with, uh, with kind of minimal impact to the way that the offices are being run? Yeah. So for we, so we absolutely, this has been a big focus for us and what can we do to help our customers be able to do that more quickly? So we actually have built what we call our civic applications. It's basically a con set of configuration on their platform. That's very, 
it's specifically built for specific use cases. So, you know, solar is one of them. Uh, we just built one actually a month or so ago around the EV charging stations, 5G, all of these things we've been keeping kind of a close eye on not only things that we need to get rid of from a technical debt perspective for agencies, but also things that are constantly changing. Like maybe they don't have a system in place today and giving them the tools that they can spin these things up very quickly. Um, I'm, I'm online right now and I'm looking at your excella.com slash civic platform, the civic hyphen platform. Yeah. And it, it talks about all that stuff. And I'm looking at how interesting it is. Can you give us, cause I, you know, I'm a car guy, I'm like an EV guy. And when you do these things with Zachary or with Scott, they, they want to talk about the solar and the installations and they're, they're very technical in that sense, you know, but you, you said EVs so now I'm like, Ooh, I can talk about this. <laughs> Gives me another excuse to bring it up. You know, when you talk about these rollouts and how you do this, you know, like, is that in, do you look at that through like your visualization software that seems to be very robust? Are you looking at it from the term of like the mobile interfaces? Like what, what are some of the. What are some of the specific challenges that municipalities are having that you resolve so that like somebody who's listening to this, who's a fleet manager or who is in that, you know, uh, sustainability. So like in the village of Oak Park, we have a sustainability officer that kind of does stuff like this. How can they hear this and go like, yes, that solves my problem? Well, I think number one, we we work with hundreds thousands of agencies across the the globe. So we do have quite a bit of experience in implementing these types of things. So kind of know what works and what doesn't work. So we kind of have a, a, you know, one step forward, uh, some maybe something a local jurisdiction may not have experience in yet. So we, we definitely have that behind us. But the things that we focus on, number one is, you know, digitizing it, making it really accessible and easy to to apply for. And then we try, we try to address the entire process, as we mentioned before. So, you know, for, let's say that you're an installer of those EV charging stations, that's typically where the process would start. So we're thinking about it again, from that user-centered design, I want to install an EV (laughs) charging station. What is the process, right? And then, and then we will build out the entire flow from start to finish. So from the installer's perspective, all the way to what the government agency has to have in order to approve that process. And then if there's inspections or things like that involved, we also provide mobile applications for them to go out and perform that inspection in the field. They don't need to use paper. And in many cases, we're for those that are like solar, um, EV, these are products that are just mass produced. And so the design specs, the way that you install it, it's very consistent. It's low risk but it's higher volume. And so in, for those, they're perfect candidates for things like virtual inspections. So again, then further cutting down, you know, resource costs, emissions to travel back and forth, all of that. And so we look at all of the things that we can do to kind of even to cut down hours or minutes throughout the entire process for everybody that's involved. Yeah. And that's a really good point, because if you have to involve four different offices, that might be 20 people. And they all spend 10 minutes on your problem. All of a sudden that's, you know, that's several man hours or, or, or person hours that are being spent in a, in a crazy way here. So, yeah, I mean, I, I, I feel like I have my head around it pretty well. And I, I really hope that a lot of other offices pick up on this because it is such a pain to have to go from office to office, location to location, fill out the same thing over and over again. You know, we were trying to get some work done in our garage and it was a nightmare. How can, if, if someone's hearing this and they go, man, I'm having 
such a hard time dealing with the forms and the old stuff happening at my in in my municipality in my village or my town how you know how can i get local governments to look at what you're doing and how can how can we get engaged and help this you know help this move forward well i think the first thing is to to get engaged contact your local jurisdiction find out go to the website find out what they have set up already and share your experience like I am, you know, like I mentioned, the user centered design is really where government wants to go, but doesn't necessarily know, know all the answers to be able to provide that experience. They don't know so what if, they don't know. They don't know what they don't know. And so if you if you go to your uh, local jurisdiction and say, hey, I'm a business owner or I am a solar installer or, you know, whatever your role is within the community, a resident. And, you know, I just moved here and it was really, really difficult for me to get my water turned on and all these things turned on. And these were the specific pain points that I had. And then these were the things that actually went well. Providing that feedback to them is going to help them be able to understand how to provide those services. And then, of course, you can certainly share any other data that you have. If you have experience with Excella, let's say you're a contractor or a solar installer, you may work across multiple jurisdictions. And so you right. actually have experience across those jurisdictions, and each experience is probably completely different. You can point out the ones where you're having a better experience than others and help them, you know, that, that points them to that jurisdiction as maybe a, an example. Yeah. So I think and we're talking about on on every just about every level of government. We're not talking about just the mayor's office or the school board. Like this can go up to county level, the the absolutely. regional level, even the state level. Yeah. I mean, in an ideal world, all of those government agencies, departments would all be connected. And as a resident, a, you know, a citizen, a business owner, you don't necessarily need to understand much of the process at all. You could yeah. go online and that and fill out the information, as you mentioned, don't fill it out multiple times. And it could just be routed to all the different departments on your behalf. Because it's a wild thought, right? Like in 2022, yeah. it's a bizarre thing to sit here and say, our government offices are not connected with each other. Because like, even if you watch a TV show, you watch like, I don't know, you watch CSI or something and they zoom in on your license plate and they're like, call this person. Now we know where he's at. And you know they all connect and all everybody has all the same information. But the real life is nobody has any idea. In many cases, nobody has any idea. And we're unifying all of that information so that they can get you, connect you with the services that you need quickly, easily, without wasting time and resources. I, I think it's great yeah. stuff. Now, if, if I was a smart person and I was a good interviewer and I understood more about this than I think the average bear. What what are some questions that I would ask you that would be like, yeah, I really want to get this said. I really want something, you know, something that would resonate with someone on in that municipal services side. Because it's not a world that I'm from. So I don't know how to ask the questions that resolve their pain points. But like if the parts department wants to set up EV charging for their new electric, you know, uh, electric ranger, how does this support that? So you're asking from the like from the parks and recs department. Yeah, like what's what's the what's the two minute sales pitch? You're sitting in front of somebody who runs, you know, uh, the Central Park, you know, the the Manhattan Central Park, you know, department, and that's a huge department. They have hundreds of employees, everything else. How is this going to be like? Wow, this is what we need. I think the biggest selling point is that you can have multiple solutions on one platform. So that's interesting. Yeah. So it takes. They can spin things up very quickly. 
each department can still have like their own autonomy, but yet still be a part of the full digital front door for the for the community. And then I think a big push these days is for to get up and running quickly, right? And the other is data. So if all your data is housed in the same place and you have a single source of truth, this data is going to provide you more insights and things that are going to help you make better decisions going mm-hmm. forward. Right now, you know, if you've got, let's say, 12 different systems. In fact, I, I just talked to a customer yesterday. They have 214 applications in place today. And they're like, I cannot manage this. I have to hire people that know this old code or, you know, this, I've got four people about to retire and they're the only ones that know anything about this system or, you know, and I just, I can't, I can't keep up. I can't keep up on all the security requirements. I can't keep up on this. And so, you know, looking for ways that all of that can be consolidated Mm -hmm. onto one platform is, I think, I mean, the, the biggest selling point. And it creates continuity too. So like if somebody is working in one municipality and they're going to move, either they got, you know, their, their partner got a new job offer. They want to move to a different home or school, be closer to family. Their skills now transfer over where today it's like, well, I was the only one who knew how to use. We used to have, when I was at ScooterWorks, there was a really old mail order system called mail order manager. We called it mom. And there was like two people who really understood mom. And that was it. And like, if you hired anybody new, they had no idea what it was. They'd never seen anything like it. And, you know, if you left, it didn't really matter that you had 10 years of experience in this mail order software because nobody else used it. So it was a really weird thing. So this idea that like, we're standardizing this, we're standardizing the applications, but at the same time, we can integrate what you're doing now so that, and, and roll it in kind of at your pace. I think that's, uh, I think that's really strong. I'm glad I asked, uh, kind of a weird question to ask you, but I'm glad I asked it because it's really neat stuff. You know, one thing that I wanted to bring up again, we made the comment about having the single source of truth for all these different government agencies. And I remember when I first moved from Florida to Texas and I got a different ID, the person entering it in, entered my birth date in incorrectly. And it was the same day, the right day, everything else was correct, but it said, you know, it, it gave a year that was a different year than my birth year which was great for me because I was like 20 years old. So now I had a legit fake ID. I could go into bars. It was wonderful. But when I tried to correct it years later, it was a nightmare. It was like, what are you doing here? Is this an identity theft thing? There's two of you. And getting that resolved was really hard. Can you speak to that single source of truth that Excella provides and talk about how you can eliminate errors like that and and really save hundreds, if not thousands of hours for, for everybody? Yeah. So, and that's, that's a great example and a very common one, actually. Is it Um, really not? I mean, maybe not just like the, the, the birth date piece, but just having little differences in your name and your address. It's just a nightmare to keep it up to date. And so, yeah, so that's where the single source of truth is really important because in a system like Excella, which can cross multiple departments and jurisdictions, you're in the system one time you change your mailing address, you change it, it gets trickled out through all the different departments. Like there's not really room for error, room for mistake. It only happens, you know, you don't see it show up two years from now (laughs) where it's wrong again. Right. And, and so I think that it's really important, I think for accuracy and also again, that experience it's, it's a 
pain if you have to keep changing things. I actually had a recent, it's not the exact experience, but my my mother-in-law, she lived with us for a short period of time and she changed her mailing address. And somehow through the whole process, she changed mine, my husband's, everybody. And it trickled through bank accounts, everything. So That's I understand. Amazing. Like if she wanted, yeah, if she <laughs> wanted to do your dirty, she couldn't have done it a better job. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. So, horrible. Now I can't answer those security questions, you know, where they ask you like, which one of these is an address you've lived at? I'm like, I don't know. Did my mother-in-law live there? <laughs> you know, so as, as you can see it, it, there's a domino effect. So I, Oh yeah, no. And it's brutal. Yeah. So the way I found out, I got caught with like a, like a, you know, I made a right turn under what I was not supposed to. And I got the camera and I got two separate tickets to the two different names that were like slightly off. That's brutal. I never thought about that with the post office. Yeah. Cause then you're like, you have to deal with the ramifications of that. Cause you're being at, you know, you're trying to sign up for a mortgage or something 15 years later. And it's like, Oh, is that the address that my mother-in-law accidentally sent me to in 2007? Wow. Yeah. yeah. The single source of truth thing is huge. So if I have and this is one last question I'll let you go. Cause I know we're way past our time commitment, but I just, I'm really excited about this. Cause now we're into like, like really cool stuff that I can geek out about. Right. Let's say I live in Los Angeles and I'm in a municipality and I have the Excel platform and that's my single source of truth. I now move to like everybody else is doing these days. I move to Austin. Right. So I get there in Austin, I get my information. I'm signing up for water and everything else. And they're on Excel. I don't know if that's true or not, but let's say they're in an Excel system does my information port over does it recognize hey this is that person and connect the dots there it well so it can it, but it may it can right it can we haven't seen a lot of cross state collaboration yet there was a little bit during covid because we had like nurses and doctors and folks that were transferring oh, state yeah. lines and their, go, and their licenses and everything. And their else license and all the information needs to be, you know, validated to be able to do it, you know, to do those things within those states. And so we saw a little bit of that starting to happen and people's eyes were like open, like, wow, yeah, we could make this much easier for all sorts of folks. We could have, there's, uh, there's actually laws for, for military spouses. If they have a business, let's say in one jurisdiction and they need to move to a different state and they want to transfer their business, they have to do it within a certain period of time. And so cross-state collaboration would be huge and helpful in those situations, but we're still, I would say, early on Mm -hmm. in that. But that functionality is being thought of. What's that? That functionality is being considered and it's being baked into it. That is so huge because, I mean, if you look now, one of the one of the big issues that a lot of medical providers, especially hospital systems are facing is that they can't keep staff. So they're hiring in travel nurses from state to state and everything else. So something like this, where you had that single source of truth to be able to verify and maintain and track that person. I mean, just from the point of view of liability, you should have every hospital lobbying for this so that they don't end up mistakenly bringing in somebody that's the wrong person has the wrong certification. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, I it just it. opens the doors for tons of things that could 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 um, happen. So that that's we got to redo this whole conversation again for like a business <laughs> podcast where we talk about li- you know mitigation of liability and how this this system uh, you know solves for a lot of those issues. How do people who want to learn more about what you're doing? How do they follow up with you? Do they find you on LinkedIn? Do they go on 
Google and type in Excella? What's the best way to, to get more about this? I mean, I would go to our website. As you mentioned, there's a whole bunch of good stuff on there about like what we do and specifically what. Yeah. You, if you're listening to this and you're like the kind of person who likes to do a deep dive and like, what are they really talking about and go there? Like you, you can lose a half hour of your life real quickly and still be in the same tab. Yes. Yeah. So there's tons of information if you just want to, if you're just curious to, to head over there. And then of course you, there's contact information on the website. You can find me specifically on LinkedIn and, you know, feel free to reach out to me and I can answer any other questions. That's great stuff. And if you find me on LinkedIn, just ignore me. Amber again, awesome, awesome stuff. Thank you so much for coming on. I, I, Hadn't even thought of a lot of these applications for what you're doing. And, and uh, I, I would love to get into it uh, at, at another time. But uh, again, thanks so much. I know we're at our time commitment and uh, this was awesome. Let's definitely do it again. All right. Thank you. All right. If you're listening to this, be sure to follow us along on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, SoundCloud, wherever quality podcasts are sold. And thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to Clean Tech Talk. Join us next time to get your electric fix. If you would like to sponsor our podcast, send us an email at accounts at cleantechnica.com. That's A-C-C-O-U-N-T-S at cleantechnica.com. Thanks. Walk, 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 walk,